appreciate you once again this morning. Thank you for gathering us in your presence. Thank you, Father Lord, for this opportunity to hear your word. Thank you for this opportunity to worship in your presence. Thank you, Father Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to be directed. Be thou exalted, O God, in this hour. The Lord, we ask that you open our hearts to understand your word. And Lord, we shall cause a willingness in our hearts, Lord, to obey you, so that God will work together with you to accomplish your purpose concerning mankind. Thank you, my Heavenly Father, because we know you have answered us. We have prayed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Good morning to everybody. We thank God for another opportunity to gather in his presence to worship him, to exalt his holy name, to thank him for all his mercies upon our lives, that we are alive today is by the grace of God. It's not as a result of anything we have done. It's just by the mercy of God that we are alive and we are healthy and we have gathered to worship him. We give him all the praise in Jesus' name. This morning, we are considering a topic that says becoming a disciple becoming a disciple when we hear the word disciple it's a common word it's a word that we use frequently it's a word that we hear everywhere but let us understand what it means so that it will help us to understand what God wants to bring to our notice our knowledge or what God wants to remind us this morning. If we look at the meaning of disciple, he said that the disciple is a person who believes in and follows the teaching of a religious or political leader. The disciple is a person who believes in and follows the teachings of a religious or political leader. And uh, in our context, we are talking about Jesus. So we can say that a disciple is a person who believes in and follows the teachings of Jesus. Praise the Lord. A disciple is a person who believes in and follows the teachings of uh, Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who is discipling all of us. Praise the Lord. Do we know? Jesus is the one who is discipling all of us. We we'll stay come to that. Even though God may give us a human to look up to, but ultimately we are looking up to Jesus and his example. Praise the Lord. So when we talk about becoming a disciple, we are talking about a process. It is not an event. Becoming a disciple is not, I have become a disciple, and I have achieved what I want to achieve. It is a process, but in this process, there is a starting point. 
You know, in every process, you have a starting point where it starts. And uh, where does this process of uh, becoming a disciple start? Let us look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. I'll read from New King James Version. And it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 19. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's the call. And if we look again at John chapter 6, verse 44, he says, No one, Jesus was the one speaking, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So the starting point is a call. Nobody suddenly becomes a disciple. Nobody suddenly starts following Jesus. Nobody suddenly goes to Jesus. Except if the person is called. Jesus called those who followed him. And uh, Jesus said, Except nobody can come to me, except he is drawn by the Father. And uh, what's the next thing that follows after one has been called? If we look at Acts chapter 2 verse 37, on the day of Pentecost when Peter was preaching, in verse 37, the Bible says that, Now, when they heard this, they were caught to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? When they heard the word of God, when Peter was preaching, the Bible said they were caught in their heart. What caught them in their heart? Was Peter using any knife? It was God that was doing what? Drawing them. Jesus said, no one can come to me except the Father does what? Draws him. So when one is hearing the word of God, the word of God, by the spirit of God, the spirit of the word of God, draws one, convicts one of sin. And that is the drawing that Jesus was talking about. And the, what happened next is how do you respond? You now decide on how to respond. Whether to respond positively or negatively. Where Jesus called Peter and Andrew in Matthew chapter 4 verse 18 and 19. In verse 20, the Bible said that they immediately left their nest and followed him. And in Acts chapter 2 verse 38, he said, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, number one is that a call is made to everyone. But it now left for us whether to respond positively or negatively. We don't have time to go into examples of those who we are called and they didn't respond positively. But I want to make it clear to us that God draws us to Jesus. 
but it is left for us whether to accept him or not. If we look at John chapter 1 and verse 12, he said that, verse 11, he said that he came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, he gave them the power to become children of God. So this is the starting point of one becoming a disciple. When God makes a call on you and then you are response. And if you respond positively, it means that you have started the process of becoming a disciple. And another thing is that disciple is, or being a disciple is a lifetime work with God. It's a lifetime work. It, it doesn't have duration. So long as you are still alive, you remain a disciple and you keep working with God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So let's not look at this issue of becoming a disciple. How do we progress after we have started this work with God? How do we fulfill the mandate of God? How do we fulfill the condition that Jesus gave for those who want to be his uh, disciple, who wants to walk with him? Let's go to the place where we read as, um, as the gospel this morning. In Matthew chapter 16, if we read from verse 21, verse 21 says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. If we read it from New Living Translation, it says, verse 22 says, But Peter took him aside and corrected him. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Then verse 23 says, But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Then verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Praise the Lord. So Jesus gave condition that every disciple must fulfill. If you have entered, if you have been admitted into this discipline, following Jesus, becoming his follower, then there are conditions for you to fulfill. There are conditions for me to fulfill. And then Jesus came and fulfilled these conditions. And then he has left us an example for us to follow. Jesus started telling his disciples, you know, before this verse, before this verse 21, if you read the verses before it, it was um, the story of Jesus asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they mentioned Elijah, one of the prophets, and so on and so forth. And Peter said, and he now asked another question, he said, but you, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. 
the son of the living God. And Jesus made a declaration. He said, flesh and blood did not declare this to you. It was my father in heaven. Just few verses. The same Jesus was now saying, get behind me, Satan. Because you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. The number one condition that Jesus gave in verse 24 is, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Anybody that wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself. That is the New King James Version. In New Living Translation, he said, you must put aside your selfish ambition. In Good News Bible, he said, you must forget self. You must forget self. What does it mean? Let him deny himself. If you want to be my disciple, deny self. You must put aside your selfish ambition. You know, before we answer the call that God has made to us, as we read in Matthew and in John, and we accepted the offer of salvation that Jesus gave us freely, we have been living. We have been behaving in some ways. We've had our life ambition. There were things we have been pursuing. There were things we have gotten used to. And by the time we now accept Jesus and decide to walk with him, Jesus is now saying and demanding from us, we must lay those things aside. We must deny ourselves. What does it mean to deny ourselves? If we look at Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Bible said there, I have been crucified with Christ. That was Paul writing. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I was living. I had a life. I had things I was pursuing. But somebody came and died for me. And my acceptance of his death my acceptance of his offer meant I have died to my old self. That's why we conduct baptism. That's the essence or significance of uh, baptism. When people are immersed in water, it means they have done what? Died. They have been buried their old life, their life of sin. And they are raised in a new life. And if you go to Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17... He said, when anyone is uh, in Christ, he's a new creature, all things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So I need to deny that old life, that life of sin, that life that brought a separation between me and God. I need to deny that life. I need to deny self. I need to deny the things that are done in the flesh, the things that are not pleasing to God. The things that brought about separation between man and God. I need to deny them. I need to deny everything that will bring about a separation, a barrier between me and God. I need to do away with them. And I need to take up the life of faith. Because the, in our work with God is a work of, of faith. We don't see what we are 
uh, pursuing. We don't know where we are going to, but we know that somebody is doing what? Is leading us. We are following somebody who knows the way. And our duty is to do what? To follow him. It is not to sit him down and question him to give us the roadmap, to give us the direction, and convince us that we are going to the right place before we start our work. If we remember the, the example of Abraham, who was asked to leave his people, his country, his nation, and go to a land that God will show him. And we know how that work ended. And today we are still claiming the blessings uh, of Abraham. And we are still claiming and the, the blessings that God showered upon Abraham and his descendants. And that's why Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 said, Without faith it is impossible to do what? To please God. So the life that we start living after we have denied ourselves is a life of what? Faith. Complete trust in God. Not knowing the way. Not knowing what tomorrow brings. Not knowing the end of the road. Not knowing what the decision we have taken or the, the, the instruction of, uh, that God has given that we are following where it is taking us to. But we have this confidence that the person that we have handed our lives over to is able to do what? To keep us. He's able to get us to the finishing line. He's able to get us to the destination. Even though we don't know it, but we trust him that he's able to do that. So, for us to deny ourselves, we must take up this life of faith. If we read the second part of uh, that uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he said, For anyone who comes to him must believe that uh, he is. If you come to God, you say you're a child of God, you have become his disciple. And you are still doubting, there is still a doubt in your heart whether God exists, whether there is God, whether all these things that we are doing it is real. Then it means that at the initial, you don't have, your faith is hanging in the balance. You are standing nowhere. You say, we must first of all believe that uh, he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because there are times when we have sought God, when we have served God for a long time, it starts looking as if God no longer cares about us. It looks as if God is no longer interested in us. It looks as if God has abandoned us. And if this could happen to a great man like John the Baptist, who at a time started doubting that Jesus was the person he, he announced to the whole world that this is the Son of God, this is the Messiah, then who are we? So we need to redouble our faith, our trust, and our confidence in God, knowing that anyone who comes to God must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder. God is not a wicked God. No matter your situation, no matter your condition, no matter your circumstances, no matter what you have passed through, no matter how nobody can help you, nobody can find a solution to your problem or your circumstance or your situation, the truth is that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's the simple truth. There is no other explanation. Any other explanation might be somebody leaving what the Bible says to say another thing. Praise the Lord. And the second condition is that take up his cross. Take up his cross. 
Good news says, carry his cross. And New Living Translation says, shoulder your cross. Anybody who wants to be his disciple must deny himself, shoulder his cross, take up his cross, or carry his cross. What does it mean to shoulder your cross, to carry your cross? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, the Bible said that Jesus suffered for us and we should follow in his footsteps. We should follow his example. When we talk about cross, in this context, Jesus was talking about what you need to do, the will of God for you. As we are seated here as individuals, we have different things that God wants us to accomplish. What he wants A to accomplish is not what he wants B to accomplish. We have our different assignments that God called us for. There is a reason why God called you. And there is an assignment that you must accomplish. And we use Jesus' example as, uh, Jesus' case as an example. In Matthew chapter 26, if we read from, if we read verse 38 and verse 39, we saw that when time came for Jesus to fulfill his ministry, he was carrying out his work, he was preaching, he was making miracles, he was healing people, the Pharisees, the Jewish people, some accepted him, some were healing him, some said that this is the Messiah, some said let us crown him our king, some said let us kill him. But when the chiefs were down, when he now came to the path that was difficult, even Jesus was not so willing to accomplish it. In verse 39 it says, Oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So there are things that God wants us to accomplish as his disciples, as his children, as those who are following him. And some of them are not easy. Some of them are difficult. Some of them entails suffering. Some of them entails denial. Some of them entails shame. Just like in Jesus' case. And he was not willing. But he prayed a pattern of prayer that we should all learn. He said, I don't want this to happen. But if you insist that this is what you want, let your will be done. And in verse 42, he prayed again. He said, oh my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. So, the point at which we have to carry this cross, let us remember that this cross is to accomplish the purpose of God. Hello? This cross we are talking about is to do what? The purpose is to do what? Accomplish the purpose of God. Which you might not know. Which you might not be aware of. Remember the, 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 the case of Job. When he was suffering, did he know why he was suffering? He didn't know. But it was to bring God what? Glory. So some of the things we pass through as children of God, they are not as a result of God abandoning us. They are not as a result of God having no ability or having no power to rescue us. They are not as a result of God's 
wickedness. It is to accomplish the will of God. But what do we do most times? Most times we do what? We shot Most times we do what? We dodge. And by the time we do that, the purpose of God is the one what? Is defeated. The will of God is not fulfilled. So that's why Jesus said, if you must be my disciple, you must take up your cross. You must. Bible said, it's a must. You must take up your cross. We must all take up our cross. I don't know what your own cross is. But we all have it. If we want to be his disciples, if we want to follow him, if we want to end up where he has designed for us to end up, if we want to accomplish his purpose in this life, then we must take up our cross. Jesus took up his cross and he accomplished the will of God. And that's why you and I are seated here. And we are happy. And we'll have hope of uh, eternity. Had it been that Jesus dodged the cross, we would be here singing and rejoicing. Then what happened is that the Bible said that all have uh, sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is what? Death. Eternal death. We will die and pay for our sins. This God mandated somebody and gave him an assignment. Gave him a cross to carry. And that cross is to redeem us from our sins. And he has left us an example. And today we are carrying our crosses as children of God. There's a song in the that says, What will open to Jesus? You see, our own is in Kenta, small one. Jesus carried the, the big one. And he has given us small ones to carry in order to fulfill his purpose, in order to accomplish his purpose on earth. May God help us not to dodge this cross, but to carry it cheerfully, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And when we still talk about this cross, we are talking about the cost of following Jesus, the cost of discipleship. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14 from verse 26, he said that anyone who wants to build a house will do what? Will sit down first and count the cost. So anyone who will follow Jesus needs to do what? Sit down and count the cost. What are the things that I stand to lose? What are the things I stand to suffer? What are the things I'm supposed to deny myself? What are the things I'm ready to give up? Because anyone that is following Jesus should be ready to give up a lot of uh, things, including, including your rights and privileges. Can I do it? You need to take all this into account before you say, I want to follow Jesus. And the third one says, follow me. When you have denied yourself, when you have taken up your cross, the next thing is to do what? To follow. To follow Jesus. And that's, there's a song I was saying, say, follow, follow, how we follow Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere, how we follow on. Follow, follow, how we follow Jesus. Anywhere he leads me, I will follow on. 
You remember that last line? Anywhere he leads me, I will follow on. Anywhere. Anywhere. If we look at uh, SSNS 529, it said, Down in the valley with my Savior I will go. Where the flowers are blooming and the sweet waters flow, everywhere he leads me I will follow, follow on. Walking in his footsteps till the crown be won. In stanza 2 it says, Down in the valley with my Savior I will go. Where the storms are sweeping and dark waters flow. With his hand he, to lead me, I will never, never fear. Then just cannot fright me if my Lord is near. That's the cost. Those are the, it's, not, it's not when it's good. When things are going well. Some people say it's a confession of faith. It's a confession of faith is, is true. But let us understand that following Jesus, you have to accept both the good and the bad. Job said to his wife, why should you say that? Why should I curse God? Should we accept the good from God and not accept the bad? But in our generation, we don't want the bad. We don't want suffering. Me, I know God suffer. Nobody wants to suffer. But Jesus suffered for us and we are rejoicing and we claim to be his children. And Jesus said, no servant will be greater than his master. He said, it's sufficient unto any servant to be like his uh, master. He said, if they persecuted me, who is your master? What of you? Who are my servants? So we will be deceiving ourselves if we think that in following Jesus, there will be no suffering. We'll be deluding ourselves. We'll be living in self-denial. Of course, this self-denial is a, is, is, a, is a negative one. We'll be living in self-denial if we believe that hardship, difficulty, not as a result of our sinful life, not as a result of the bad things we have done, but as a result of our faith, of our trust, of our stand, of our work with God, that we suffer, that we are denied, that we are deprived, that we have challenges in life. God said it is acceptable to him. He said if we suffer for doing what is right, it is acceptable to God. So why we, we after seeing all these things, how can we be saying that as children of God, that we will not encounter suffering? Praise the Lord. In John chapter 21, Verse 19b, Jesus said to John, follow me. This was after his resurrection and um, um, he kept appearing to the disciples before his ascension. And uh, on a day, you know, they had, the disciples had built their hope, their life, where we read in uh, Matthew 4.20. The Bible said that they abandoned their work. They were fishermen. They abandoned their business. They abandoned their means of livelihood. And they followed Jesus. Just like the others. Task collectors, other fishermen, and so on and so forth. And they followed him. But when Jesus was not there, and uh, a lot of thoughts started running in their mind. Have we made a mistake? Are you sure we have not taken a wrong uh, decision? In fact, at the time, Peter asked Jesus, 
when some abandoned and stopped following him. And he said, Lord, what of we who have left everything to follow you? What is our reward? What is there for, in this thing for us? And Jesus assured him. Jesus reassured him and the rest of the apostles. And said, everyone who has left father, mother, and so on and so forth, say, you will reap hundredfolds in this life and in the world to come, eternal life. But when the reality came and there was no Jesus in sight, Peter looked at, considered the matter seriously. He said, men and brethren, I'm going fishing. <laughs> if Jesus is no longer there, let's go back to our business. This one has failed. Let's go and put, uh, gather our lives uh, together and continue. And they went. And they toyed through the night and they caught nothing. And Jesus appeared in the morning. And the rest, we know about the rest. But after that, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than this? What was he asking him? They caught a lot of fish. About 153. And they know if they sell it, and this time that fish is expensive, if you sell it, you make a lot of money. So Jesus now said, you left where you are supposed to stay to come and look for money. Do you love me more than money? Which one, which one are you choosing now? And Peter said, you know I love you. You know I love you. Say, feed my lamb. Take care of my sheep. And after all the conversation, Jesus said, do what? Follow me. And Peter looked around. He was not the only person there. At least they were not less than seven. They were not less than seven. I said, follow me. Peter looked around. I said, me follow you. What of these people? And Jesus said, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So what is God pointing out here? The call to follow Jesus is personal. Follow me. So when Jesus said I should follow him, and he tells me where to go or what to do, I shouldn't be looking at another person and say, why is this person not uh, following? Why is she not doing the same thing? Why didn't God ask him to do the same thing? My own is harder than his own. Do you remember the parable of um, the ta talents? Those uh, who were given five, two, and one. You remember that the person who was given five made another five. And the person who was given two made another two. What reward did they get? The same reward. Double. Just double. Jesus didn't say, or oh, the person that they gave to didn't complain. Why did you give me two and give the other person five? He labored with his own. And the person they gave five labored with his own. And had it been that the person they gave one was wise, he would have equally labored with his own and made another one. And would have still received the same reward. So what matters to God is not the work. It's not the assignment. It's not the duty. It's not how difficult or how hard. What matters to him is did we do what we are asked to do. Say, follow me. Not follow the reverend. Not follow the pastor. Not follow the bishop. Not follow the fellowship leader. Follow me. If I have become a disciple, I should follow God. 
and I should be able to obey him because he is the one who has called me. Praise the Lord. And if we read Luke chapter 19 um, from verse 57 to 62, we saw people who were giving excuses. Jesus said, follow me. He said, excuse me, I will follow you. But first of all, let me go and do this. First of all, let me go and do the other one. No. He said, anybody who puts his hand to the floor and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. So we should follow wholeheartedly. We should follow with everything. We should abandon ourselves. That's the cost of following. That's the price we need to pay in following our master. Because as we follow him, we see what he's doing and we join him in doing the work and accomplishing the purpose of God. And as we follow Jesus, and as we are being discipled, we are equally discipling other people. Not because we want those people to become like us, but because we are living out the example of Jesus, the life of Jesus. In the epistle it says, let your life be the epistle. Paul was right. He said, let, let your life be the epistle that men will read, or written in the hearts of men. Let my life be the epistle. When people are seeing me, they should see my life, and they should see the life of um, Jesus. And that was what people saw in Antioch when they called the followers of Jesus uh, Christians or little Christ. So as we are following Jesus, people are following us. But that doesn't mean that we have graduated and we have become teachers. Praise the Lord. I don't know if we are getting it. That doesn't mean that we have graduated. We are still following Jesus. All of us are following Jesus. And like I said at the beginning, he said that it's a lifetime work and nobody graduates. We keep following him until the end of our life. And as we conclude, somebody will be asking, Peter saw Jesus. Even when we, he had doubt, he asked questions. We cannot see Jesus. How are we going to follow him? How are we going to see him? If we read in John chapter 14 from verse 15, John chapter 14 from verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you. I will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That is Jesus. That is the person to do what? To follow. And if you think that is not enough, in John chapter 16, from verse 5 to 14, but it's long, I will just read verses um, 6 and 7. He said, in verse 6, he said, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for your to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit is given to teach us, to help us. And uh, could you imagine 
when Jesus was on earth, the, the centurion, the servant was sick. And he had to go and meet the Jewish leaders, the synagogue leaders, to go and do what? Plead with Jesus to come and do what? Hey, hey, son. Do you see the process? Protocol. Bureaucracy. But this one, Jesus said, it is to your advantage. Because the Holy Spirit is with you and he will be living inside of uh, you. And you can ask him. You will ask him and he will direct you. He will lead you. Bible, if you, if you had it been we finished reading that John chapter 16, he said that when he comes, he will take of what is mine, which means from all the things I have taught you, from what is mine. He said he's not going to teach you any new thing. No. All the things I have taught you, he will do what? He will remind you. And he will guide you into all the truth. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And last week we had Holy Ghost ministration. The essence of having the Spirit of God living inside of us is that he will teach us. He will guide us. He will help us in our time of need. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, he said, let us go to the throne of grace to obtain mercy to help us in our time of uh, need. That is what the Holy Spirit does. Whether it is in the morning, in the afternoon, where you don't have anybody, where you are in danger, where you are suffering, Holy Spirit is there to help you. And finally, in um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, he said, But God has revealed them to us. He was talking about that what God has prepared for us that no eye have seen, no ear have heard, and it has not entered the heart of uh, any man. But he's saying that but God has revealed them to us through his uh, spirit. So God makes known his mind and his way to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of but the, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Brethren, God has given us his spirit. Say that the spirit of God searches the deep things of God. That secret thing, that difficult thing. The spirit of God searches it and he does what? He reveals it to us. That's our teacher. That's the Jesus that we can see today. That's the Jesus that's living in our heart. That's the Jesus that we don't need to run around to meet. That's the Jesus that is everywhere with us. And that is the one who has asked us to do what? To follow him. If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Becoming a disciple. It's a lifelong process and a lifelong work. And our prayer is that God will find us true disciples those who are following in the footsteps of Jesus, those who are not denying him, those who are not following him when it is favorable and denying him when things are difficult. Let us pray. I want us to reflect on the words of SS and S 529. 
He said that we'll go follow Jesus wherever he leads us. Where the flowers are blooming and the sweet waters flow. When things are going well. When things are good. When life is easy. And I will equally follow him where the storms are sweeping and dark waters flow. That will walk beside our Savior wherever he leads us. Let us commit ourselves to becoming true disciples. Not those who abandon the master when things are difficult. When the work gets tough. When challenges of life come. That will amount to denying Jesus. That will amount to making those who are looking up to us to be disappointed, to reject Jesus. We have been called to go and make disciples. And we cannot make disciples if we ourselves are not disciples of Jesus. If we are not being made better every day, if we are not getting closer to him on daily basis, if our obedience to his word and to his commandment, they are not increasing on daily basis. If we are selective in our obedience to his commandment, ask that the Lord will help you. Ask that the Lord will find you a true disciple, one who will be committed to say wherever he leads me, I will follow on. And peradventure, you have not even started following. You have not answered that call that Jesus is making. Say, come, and I will make you. You have not responded to that urging in your spirit. You have not responded to that cut in your heart that the Spirit of God is making, convicting you of sin and reminding you of how hopeless your life is and how directionless your life is, of how you have come off track, and if you die now, you end up in hell. Are you willing to answer that call this morning? Are you willing to respond positively? Are you willing, like those who heard Peter on the day of Pentecost, say, men, they cried. They say, men and brethren, what shall we do? Is that your cry this morning? If that is your cry this morning, I want you to pray with me. My Lord and my Savior, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to be called your child. I'm not worthy to come to you. I'm not worthy to receive your mercy. But because of your love for me, because of your overwhelming love for me, you sent your son Jesus. And he paid the price of my sins. Lord, have mercy upon me. Forgive my sins. Cleanse me from every unrighteousness. Cancel my name from the book of death. Write my name in the book of life. And give me the right, the power, and authority to be your child. Thank you for having answered me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen.
show to be heard.